Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Here to introduce you to the great musicians and music businesses and organizations of Wisconsin. Thanks, Gene. Welcome, music enthusiasts, to the Extraordinary Wisconsin Music Podcast. You're ready for a captivating musical adventure as we dive into the world of CDB and the end of times. Their innovative mixed media creations and loops and remarkable journey from the Wisconsin to Nashville will leave you inspired and maybe even help you create your own music upcoming. But here's the exciting part. This podcast isn't just about one band. It's a celebration of the diverse talent flourishing in our beloved Wisconsin. We're here to embrace the soulful beats, electrifying sounds, and heart-stirring melodies brought to life by our local musicians. Join us on this musical voyage as we aim to support and uplift the magic of Wisconsin's musicians while showcasing their brilliance of our state's musical tapestry. Together, we can make a difference by subscribing to the podcast on your preferred platform and leaving encouraging reviews. You become an essential part of our mission to amplify the musical magic of Wisconsin. Get ready for an exhilarating journey filled with inspiring interviews as we take you on a tour of the diverse sounds and voices that make Wisconsin's music scene shine like a star. So let's spread the excitement. Share the podcast with friends, family, and anyone who appreciates the heart and soul of music. Together, we'll create a musical sensation that resonates far beyond Wisconsin's borders. Thank you for being a part of this incredible journey. Your support drives us forward. We can't wait to embark on this fantastic musical adventure with you. Stay tuned for more thrilling episodes filled with pure Wisconsin talent. So here we go into the interview with Carson D. Bell of CDB and the End of Times. Welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. This week we have Carson Bell from uh, CDB and the End Times. So Carson, welcome to the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Hey, yeah, awesome to be here. Um, I've uh, I've seen the podcast before. A few of my friends' bands have been on here, and uh, yeah, I think it's uh, super cool. Awesome, thank you, thank you so much for being on. Um, yeah. Let's get right into like your music origin story. How did you? How did music find you, or how did you find music? How did how did that whole thing come together for you? Yeah, so um, I started doing music in. Uh, it must have been probably like two thousand seven. Um, I had just been doing bands like probably right around like freshman year of high school. I decided I wanted to do band stuff, um, and been playing guitar and like, you know, taking, uh, chorus in school, but nothing like, you know, no serious musical training in my background or anything like that. But, uh, I was really into like, you know, the, the mid and late, like 2010, 2000, 2010, like metalcore scene um in 2008 was when my first like real band started we were uh started through the madison uh music foundry uh oh, okay in, in madison wisconsin uh with mike olson and um joe bernstein was our kind of coordinator and he he's played in he's played drums in like a gazillion different madison bands he was in the kissers el valiente um you know, the, I think he's got a current project going now too, which is super cool that he's still active after all this time. But um, yeah, so Joe kind of helped us and uh, we were doing, um, you know, just kind of rock and roll and then kind of getting into more into like metal stuff. Uh, and that band was called Boulder Fist. Uh, we were like the, we were part of the very first class of rock workshop bands, which is still a, a it's still going to this day and they've still got our picture hanging up in the, the foundry, which is like, you know, super cool, um, Very you know, cool. place that so many people have gone and, and uh, hung out at, and you know, just learned. I mean, I, I had basically spent, you know, all my free time in high school there when I was out getting in trouble. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so the foundry was awesome. Um, I, that band turned into a band called Underwaves. We were um, pretty active in like the Madison hardcore scene between like 2010 and, and 2012. Um, that band was with my brother Grant, and uh, then our our bass player uh, Billy Billy May. Shout out Bill Mason. He uh, he's big big into like photo and video stuff now for like live music in Madison. Okay. Uh, super proud of that guy. Uh, but yeah, so that band, uh, under waves, we went for, uh, about 2010 to 2012 
and um, kind of broke up after I, I moved to Milwaukee for school. Uh, spent a few years down there. Didn't really think that I was going to like get back into music stuff seriously. I didn't really have like any sort of plan, but I just, uh, I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like, you know, I mean, like doing like metalcore and hardcore and stuff like that. Like by the time I was 19, 20, I was sort of like, well, you know, I still like this music a lot, but I just don't see myself continuing to, to do that. And I had been writing, um, I'd been trying to figure out how I was going to like, we're going to find an original sound with just like acoustic singer songwriter stuff. And um, then my, my good friend, Stu, uh, who is currently the guitar player and uh, excuse me, who are you? Um, he asked me if I wanted to do some Van Halen covers with uh, his project uh, Beef Stew and the, uh, the Brothers Johnson. And uh, we were supposed to do a Hot for Teacher cover and uh, never ended up doing that, but ended up like spending a bunch of time over the summer of 2017, just like hanging out in um, our drummer, Jamie Goodrichrine's basement, drinking and uh, writing. Um, and we started the band Meat Jelly. Uh, at that point, we, we started calling ourselves Meat Jelly instead of Beef Stew. And that was like, you know, I, I didn't think it would be a serious band or anything like that. I just wanted to play like, you know, loud songs on the week, you know, loud blues covers and stuff like that on the weekends with, uh, with my buddies and we ended up like going up to Stevens point, winning some battle of the bands at the college there. That was like, you know, they the bands that were on that were all like so much better than us. And we were all like, what, you know, what the hell? And so immediately yeah. our egos were, were huge. And we, we, uh, we started booking as many shows as we could. And, um, that band was super fun. Those were like the, you know, still to this day, like, glory days best years uh gotcha. you know and i i kind of uh rediscovered like my love for for music with that and then when the pandemic happened i uh that band broke up uh, i decided i needed to move somewhere a little warmer uh, and we had had some really good experiences touring and playing in nashville and i had a couple friends here already and got a remote job so moved down here and um yeah my started my my current i, I wrote a lot of these songs kind of over the last few years and uh, you know they're kind of in the same vein as the meat jelly stuff was very okay. loud like punky blues um and yeah the the project's called carson d bell in the end times uh we just put out a uh an ep demo sort of deal at the end of the summer uh it's on cdbet.bandcamp.com and uh yeah probably early in the podcast for plugs but you know <laughs> i haven't done one of these in a while that's why you're supposed to be on here yeah. We're all good. That's a great um, synopsis of you know how music kind of you know grabbed you in, in the beginning of high school, and then you, you were experienced through all these different kinds of bands. You know, you kind of talked about playing out with um, with a lot of these different bands. What have you kind of noticed in the local scene that's changed over over the last you know fifteen years or so? Yeah, um, you know, when I first started coming up in in the Madison scene. Um, there was 
a very like the early 2010s like just midwest hardcore in general like you know you had um like sworn in and and you had kingmaker and uh expire and you know all these bands that were like making like you know big noise and in the, in like the hardcore realm and it seems like all of that kind of has bounced out of the midwest and you know there were obviously like various things that kind of caused that like but it's interesting to see the similarities between the shows when you go to like you know a, a punk show now or like you know i know madison has a really you know great kind of Midwest emo quote unquote uh, scene right now and seeing the similarities in those shows to like, you know, old like beat down hardcore shows or like, you know, stuff like that, that, that I would go to back when I was in, in high school and, and early college. And yeah, I mean, just seeing kind of how the, the, the way that like the internet kind of affects the, the, the current taste of you know whatever everybody's like you know the current underground because it i mean it's totally you know the uh, the underground now it feels like is really determined by like you know a lot of like the the tiktok trends and stuff like that that's how you get you know people out to the shows is uh is you capitalize on those kind of um you know just different scenarios and, and back then i mean there was it was very much like the rudimentary days of that it was very right. much like you know i mean because vine i think about vine and you know people always compare vine and tiktok but i don't really remember any like musical moments through vine like tiktok's had for like yeah, I, I never used vine so i i skipped over that one <laughs> that one was there was just a lot of chaos on that one there was yeah. like but it was like way less orchestrated like tiktoks are all like it feels like there's a director off scene like for every tiktok <laughs> that i watch and like vine was like just a guy with a grainy camera phone like i'm gonna jump off a building you know right, like right, very right. much like like making like i liked vine because it was like jackass for like you know just regular people <laughs> you know <laughs> that's what it became but yeah children ages 1 through 15 were discovered along with an arsenal of high-powered firearms only himself there's no there's no affiliations i mean once again that i know of at all i mean there's no affiliations there's no church there's no religion there's no politics there's no anything He's, no, no mental illness no i mean <laughs> he was just a guy god don't make me shoot somebody she also says she is screaming into the universe for help. And then I witnessed both towers collapse, one first and then the second, mostly due to structural failure. The operatives have been instructed to ensure that the explosives went off at a, high po a point that was high enough to prevent people trapped above from escaping. Everywhere 
kind of seen like in the, the struggles i mean let's kind of focus on that for for a minute here that you're seeing now um i mean you you know i know you're down in nashville but do you see similarities of struggles or do you see differences in struggles from the wisconsin scene compared to down there in nashville nashville is interesting because i mean when i moved here i didn't really have any idea what the diy scene was um you know was like especially post-covid um you know, COVID pretty much redid the map for everybody in terms of like your connections. You know, it's funny because I moved down here and that's right when everything had kind of started opening up again. And a lot of the, you know, the old friends that I saw and, you know, people who we had met from tour and stuff like that. I mean, their lives did all like very drastically changed. And okay. I mean, you know, we had, like with meat jelly, we had stayed with some friends of ours that uh, lived down in East Nashville and like demoed a bunch of music on New Year's of 2019 because we had been playing or we had been booked for like a house show, a big party kind of deal. And, um, you know, just ended up staying there. We planned for it. But, um, you know, those dudes like they're still active musically, but it's just a different vibe with everybody. You know, it's like so much time passed. And I think that was sort of the problem that me jelly had too, is, you know, when, when the pandemic happened, that was right when we had started kind of turning, you know, like seeing tours that weren't like, you know, just like sunk costs that wasn't just like, you know, and we were actually selling merch every night, every show was sick. You know, those were, really and we had kind of figured out the logistical end of it and then the pandemic happened like and i was anticipating it but i still booked us you know this this run of shows with the band shuby um from oshkosh and um we were it was like our biggest run of venues yet it was like a spring tour it was supposed to be from like a it was like a, a four or five day run in april and you know going down to iowa city chicago we were hitting some markets that we hadn't hit yet and we announced the tour and two days later is when evers um put out the state of emergency and so we're you know it's like well so much for all this and it's already such a grind to to try and book anything like that in the first place i mean we had been we had really been grinding it hard and i think that you know, just having that for so many bands, you know, some bands were able to, you know, tuck and roll and hop right on TikTok and, you know, start doing live streams on, you know, on Twitch and in right. Minecraft and all that random shit. And, um, you know, then it's like with us, we were barely keeping it together. You know, there's some like on the old Beat Jelly Facebook page, there's some like live streams that me and Stu were like, you know, we're just hanging out drunk at the lake 
you know, in the middle of the after, in the middle of like weekday afternoon, just hammered drunk, like playing some awful covers on, on the, on the lake. And it's like, that was not like really a sustainable model for a growing band during that time. And we just didn't really know what to do to, to stay connected with people. And, you know, our personal lives were all really messy too. So yeah, I mean, yeah. just figuring out the, the, figuring out like how to navigate the, the, landscape of like you know how do you grow a band because even you know for me like i moved down here i didn't move down here like you know to, to really do this project i didn't know if i was going to even keep making music um for a really long time and i uh, i did the pro you know i, I got to, i moved down here i i got um you know i i, I was able to reconnect with a friend of ours actually from uh, from the Meat Jelly days. His name is Alex Ralph, and he's my guitar player. Um, and he had been in the, a band that actually played at that Stevens Point Battle of the Bands, and okay. uh, back in twenty the winter of twenty seventeen, and uh, they were called Second Charm, and then that band went on to be called uh, Bear Down, and then they turned into Wisco Disco. Um, and Alex was the bass player and Stu and I uh, went to Mardi Gras together just for fun. And I was still demoing out all these songs, you know, cause I had drum tracks that the old drummer from me, Jelly Jamie had written. And I was, you know, using those to kind of, you know, cr construct these demos. And Alex uh, had moved here with his girlfriend during the pandemic. Cause his band had also kind of fizzled out. They were more of like a college, you know, a group of college guys that, uh, you know, after a while, they, you know, they all kind of went their separate ways. And it was just super cool to reconnect with him and have him instantly like interested in my songs because I showed him the music and I was like, well, I don't know if anybody's going to really like this other than me, you know, yeah. and it, it just worked out really well to have Alex on board because it just gives me a lot more, you know, confidence in what I'm doing. Because you, you talk in struggles, like the biggest struggle for me has been like putting, you know, because I've, I've sort of always been the like behind the scenes like manager like you know booking the shows and gotcha. you know kind of doing all that sort of stuff with all my bands so like doing all that and then having it be under my name and i've sort of like you know i used to be a lot more of an extrovert and now i'm like uh you know i've doxed <laughs> I, have my, I have the world's worst opsec you know because Every, you know, it's like the first if you search my name Carson Bell it's like the first thing you find is my Twitter and it's just, you know it's it's all just just dumb dumb stuff so I I, uh, I try and you know just keep uh, keep charging forward with it and um, you know it's been great to have Alex on board it's been great to you know I found a drummer down here who's been really solid his name's uh, Norby Zonka and he's uh, he's from Budapest Hungary okay. uh, a really cool dude and then um my bass player rose uh she's in a band called poplar creek down here as well um and they're super good super uh super fun band had basically played a show with her and i'm like i, I mean you know you're incredible and i would love to have you you know play bass in my band and do some backing vocals not thinking that she was gonna say yes and she said yes so it was super cool you never know until you ask, right? Yeah, exactly. You gotta gotta so, always constantly be putting yourself out there, right? Yeah, I hear you. And so we're talking about the the um, the EP redacted, correct? Redacting, yeah. Redacting. Okay. So why don't you kind of take us on the journey of creating um, this this um, this project? I mean, to me, it sounds like it's a it's like mixed media. You know, you have this different kind. You know, you have like these speeches that are kind of intertwined through your music so kind of you know have the audience kind of get a better understanding of how you put this together yeah thank yeah so i i really um i think for this project what originally it was was i was um living in my uh at the end of the sort of the, the end of 2020 i should say i was sort of living in my practice the meat jelly practice space and i was writing um what would become a lot of the songs that i you know that i have now and i had had kind of a 
um, like a full album written. And I realized that like, I can't just put out a full album with uh, like under my name without like really anything, you know, sort of prepping it to kind of give people an idea. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that, cause that's always been the big challenge for me with all my bands. I've never been able to put out like a full album. And that's always been a huge regret. Cause all my bands have been like, I've always felt like we kind of break up at our peak. And um, so I really wanted to make sure that I did it right. And when I moved to Nashville, I had all these songs um, and Jamie and I, uh, the old drummer from Meat Jelly, he had written, you know, most of the drum tracks and stuff. But one of the um, one of the songs I had rewritten pretty significantly and it didn't really have any drums for the first half of it. So I took the drum track that Jamie had and I was just listening to it and I was feeling really burnt out. And I had um, this riff in my head that was I mean, it was basically just Rose Gold by Shuby. Uh, you know, just like, that's basically all it was like there, you know, and I, um, I just, I, I heard this drum track and I'm like, well, Jamie played his ass off on that, on that drum track. I really should try and like adapt something to it. And I wanted to write a song that was a little bit more upbeat than all the other stuff I had written. Cause that was one thing that I always really liked about like me jelly's music was that all of our songs, you know, were they were like these, you know, kind of fun, funky, like bluesy songs. And I really fucked up lyrics, basically. Forgive my interruption. Could you tell me how to find help? Yes, go right in. By the way, your computer account is ready.
so that's that's how the memory hole started which is the the last track on my ep and i took that drum track that um that jamie had had sent or had given me and i split it in half and i basically rewrote you know this little riff that i had this you know the shooby riff basically and i sort of adapted it to that song and then i i wanted to do like an oasis chorus because i was really listening to a lot of oasis so okay. i like so i just uh i just kind of did i, I just kind of played that chorus um and like so that was how the song you know the song was just like two and a half minutes it was real you know short sweet and, and dirty and the lyrics were all like very tongue-in-cheek and i felt like i needed to have a like a, a big breakdown on the end of it so then i i sampled the drums again for that breakdown and I, I put that like you know that that deus ex um jc denton sample in there in the middle and um yeah that's kind of how that's kind of how i decided that i wanted to really because i really liked the whole like sampling aspect and i've never i've never you know all the years that i've done music you know the, the coolest thing about madison music foundry was that they would provide the people to record your you know their, your music for you you had you know, so many people that were talented around you. It's like, why would I ever do it myself when, you know, this person can do it the right way and, you know, probably about a quarter of the time and it's not going to cost me that much. But this time I, you know, I'm, I'm doing it all myself, you know, all the levels and all that, everything like that and really learning on the fly. And I enjoyed the splicing and the mixing and the, you know, the, the sampling and stuff like that so much um, that, you know, it allowed me to, get a lot of different sounds and that kind of started too with um the band that i haven't mentioned that i did uh i was in a band called posthuma with uh jamie from me jelly and uh kyle kinney the singer of excuse me who are you um he, he played guitar in that band and i was the vocalist and okay we were really into like noise and sampling and you know looping and, and that kind of stuff and that sort of push the direction for this the redacting record which is you know the, the ep that posthuma did was um uh ruminating and uh the, the cover was also by joe stanton and uh the ep that i just put out redacting it's sort of the sequel to that in in a spiritual sense and you know you can see with like the cover and the titles i mean they are uh very similar and i so, and I think that's, you know, just to kind of draw a bridge between, you know, that and all my other previous stuff. Because I do feel like this project now is like the most me project that I've been in. And, you know, I, I'm I'm really lucky that I have musicians around me that are just that trust me to, you know, write stuff. And yeah. not I don't have to worry about, you know, creative checks and balances, which, you know, certain people would say, like, you know, you need. But like for for making redacting it was great because it just it it really helped me um yeah you know helped me get into like you know like so the 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 whole concept behind the record that i've like explained to people is like i want or even just the project in general i want carson they want you know cdb and end times to um sort of conjure up an image of like a guy like trying to play rock and roll music as he like you know drags a bunch of shit through like a like a post-apocalyptic like fallout world you know like trying to record records like just with just ran you know random junk that he just you know like that is really like why i you know and, and the the lyrics all kind of and the and the um you know the samples and stuff all kind of draw into that sort of like paranoid word world view that i'm trying to like you know create as well right. uh, i i call the I call the genre of the music schizo core because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, the pandemic, I learned I was schizophrenic, uh, from, uh, you know, from a therapist and I'm like, well, you know, this, uh, this makes sense. And, you know, so trying to incorporate that into to music, um, you know, has been, has been a big, big part of that. And what kind of drives me into, you know, keep it, keep it rolling. Yeah. I mean, I would think that an artistic outlet definitely, you know, helps with, you know keeping your life you know some somewhat balanced mm -hmm. yeah definitely definitely it's always i mean that's always been the case yeah and i think a lot more people would have a 
a better life if they would find something to, you know, artistic, have some kind of artistic outlet. Instead of you know dwelling on everything, you know even though it's sometimes not under not under their control, but you know direct yeah. that energy into something positive. Yeah, totally. I mean, the, the rewarding aspects of music are. Um, I mean, it's. I, I look at it like you know I, I'm a guy who like has a pretty addictive personality, like, and I I find the music like the push and pull of it, you know, is, you know, even like when, when I've got a bad, like when I play a bad show, like when we first started doing this band, the first, like the first show that we played, it was my first time, like, you know, really playing music that I wrote on a guitar on stage in front of people and singing at the same time. And that was like the most nerve wracking experience. Like I've never been, you know, I'm 30 years old now. And the only time I was ever really like, nervous before a show was probably my first show when I was like 14. Okay. And after that, I was like super hooked on that adrenaline rush that I got. And after that first show, it was even, you know, it, sorry, that's my ringtone. Um, the, after that first show with the end times, um, it was like, well, I didn't feel great at, about it. You know, I felt like, you know, it was, it went fine. You know, we yeah. did, you know, we finished the set. It's just really all that matters most of the time. But, um, I still like after it, I was like, you know, fuck, like this sucked. Like it was really, you know, I'm rusty as hell. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you pick yourself up and you, you know, you, you know, I evaluated it for set for a little bit. I'm like, well, I'm here. I've got the band together. Like, what am I going to do? Like quit now, you know? And right. so you just, you know, you just dust yourself off and you go back at it. And, um, yeah, I mean, cause it's kind of an addiction and then you play like a good show and you get that, you know, that adrenaline rush that you, that you had. I did switch off of guitar after that show. I'm like, well, I'm not going to keep playing guitar if I don't enjoy playing guitar on stage. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, all, all things, uh, you know, all, all things considered, I think there's a lot worse things you can be doing with your time these days. Right. For yeah. sure. Absolutely. And with um, with this four song EP, is it just to put your art out there, your art out there, or is it more like you're trying to um, take it to the next level? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of both. You know, when you're 30 and you've been in bands for, you know, it's like you, I just kind of woke up one day and I'm just 30, you know, and especially with the pandemic kind of eating up the last few years of my 20s, like. I would much rather like be at this point in my life and be like, well, I'm just doing this for artistic passion now. But I mean, there is definitely like a part of me that's like, you know, well, I get a little bit of, you get a little bit of recognition and you're like, well, shit, I should, you know, I should really push this harder. I should push this harder. Um, I think for me, I, I've gotten myself to a point where I'm like healthy with it now. Cause I think there's a lot of kids that I grew up playing music with and there's a lot of kids that still play music now that are just uber competitive and like you have to get over that otherwise like nobody's gonna like your band you know like nobody in the, in the scene is gonna like your band everybody's gonna be like oh those are the guys that always talk shit and you know those are the guys that always like act nice and you know they never throw us a bone for a show like you just you have to get over all that shit and um you know, not be competitive, not like worry about other bands like stuff right. because it's just, it's such a toxic, such a toxic mindset to be in. And it's for me, I, I was definitely like that with previous bands and with this current band, it's just been like, well, I'm not really in that much of a hurry to like, you know, get things rolling. I'm, I want to play, I want to be able to play shows and I want to continue to put out, you know, music that I really that I really am passionate about that. I really like, I think my songs are, you know, I think it's some of the best stuff I've ever written. And, um, if people vibe with it, they vibe with it. If they don't, you know, whatever, I'm not right. going to like dump a bunch of money into like Facebook marketing campaigns. I'm not going to like try and figure out how to become a TikTok star overnight. Like I'm going to keep doing what I've always done, you know, shit posting on Instagram and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, putting out, songs with with big uh elaborate breakdowns that i you know that like come out of left field like that's my big that was always my big thing with me jelly that's, that's 
that, that's my big songwriting trait, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's just always, always got to have some, some uh, dramatic breakdown in there somewhere. And uh, yeah. And then, you know, if people vibe with it, they vibe with it. I mean, I think part of the reason that I like being in Nashville so much is because um, everybody here is focused on the music you know yeah. they're focused on and that's why it's so nerve-wracking too you know is like well you know if i'm not shit up here then i'm not shit at all <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah. but but yeah um so yeah i mean i'd say i'd say it's kind of a mix of both okay um getting towards the, the end here um is there a gig that's made a, a major impression on you and if so how did it do that a gig you said yeah like one that i've played or one that i've been to either or okay um i mean i think the most like formative musical experience i have and it's it's funny because i have a lot but the one that sticks with me the most is seeing dillinger escape plan at the loft in uh downtown madison the old loft the one okay. that was uh, right off of East Washington with the skate park in the back. I think yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah. the Bose meteries like or was there. But anyway, that that show was like 2007. They were on the Ironworks tour. They had dropped off of like Ozfest to like do their own like little club tour. And I knew the band from just from seeing the song milk lizard on headbangers ball on mtv2 like late night one night mm -hmm. um and i was like oh this is the most badass song ever even though like the rest of their music was like was, you know i was into like a treyu and you know avenge sevenfold and, you know like under oath and shit like at the time right. so it was it was very much not that it was like you know this crazy time signatures in your face but i so i wasn't really into the other songs but i love milk lizard and then i went and i saw him live and it was just the most insane like experience I've ever been a part of it. You know, it was f filled up the old loft best venue ever, like in my mind, like it, in my mind's eye, at least, you know, when I think back to it, you know, it was just the coolest venue ever. Your parents just drop you off to go in, uh, you just hang out there, you know, see awesome bands and smoke cigarettes all night. Like that was <laughs> the best. And, um, Dillinger was unreal. I mean, it, I, remember very vividly like ben weinman climbs on top of the railing and he does a guitar flip and shatters a fluorescent light all over the like front of the crowd which i was oh, like in and i was like picking glass out of my hair you know for the week after and after the show you know i'm 14 and i went up to their merch table and i'm like this was insane like i you know i, I was i'm pretty sure i was just speechless but you know just thanking them and greg the singer um he you know, he signed like my, my, I was wearing like a, a white tank top and it had gotten torn and he signed it. And, you know, it was just like, yeah, you know, I, I would much rather be doing this than like Ozfest with like a gate up, you know, you know, 20 feet in front of, you know, the, the crowd. And that really always stuck with me, that performance and, and that, you know, just kind of affected how I wanted to perform because like I just wanted to like let it all go and just like you know really just kind of throw myself at the crowd like let the really feed off of that kind of vibe and um, I, you know at, at my best I think I've I've been able to kind of create a, a good live show and, and put on you know exciting shows for people whether I mean obviously I've never been in a band that's like quite sounds like that but I still think just the intensity is you know, it stuck with me. So yeah, that's, that's definitely, I would say the, the gig that's had the most impact on me. Excellent. Excellent. Um, is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to talk about before I let you go? Um, well, I don't know when this will air, but I do want to plug, uh, so, uh, Carson D bell in the end times has two shows coming up at the end of the month. One of them has not been announced yet, but I think by the time this gets put out, it probably will be. We're playing new years at the washroom, uh, with Shuby diet lights, uh, lunar moth. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know that that show is getting announced on December 10th. And then that's going to be on new year's Eve at the, the, it's the washroom um, scam. Likely I think is the, people who own that house and then um the 
previous night, uh, this show has been announced. Uh, December 30th, uh, my band, Carson D. Bell and the End Times, Shuby, Nile Club, um, and a secret band uh, that, we, that we're not announcing until Christmas Day uh, will be playing along with, uh, we're doing a Meat Jelly reunion set at the Rigby Pub in, uh, in Madison. Um, so that's going to be super cool. I'm so excited for that. The, um, yeah, the Rigby is a great venue. The, the, what they've been able to do there, uh, since I've moved here is like, makes me jealous, makes me want to move back. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, those will, those will be really fun shows. Like I said, I don't know if this will air before then, but you know, well, if it doesn't, which I think it probably not till the new year, if you send me like either, you know, Instagram or whatever kind of postings that you guys have, you know, tag me in it and, and I'll repost it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And we love, uh, yeah. I mean, I love, love to, love to see that. Love, love what you do with, uh, you know, promoting other bands and stuff like that. It's great. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right. Um, I'll put all your um, links, everything in the show details for people to go um, go check you out on Bandcamp. Do you have a website or no? Uh, right now, uh, it's just Bandcamp. Um, I've been working to get my demo kind of remastered for uh, Spotify release, but I, I think uh, you can check out the, the memory hole on Spotify. And then um, you can follow me on Instagram, cdb.endtimes, and I will... Uh, be uh, posting uh, shows there. That's that's kind of how we're doing it. Carson, thank you so much for being on the Wisconsin Music Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Zach. It was a great time. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye-bye. In this exhilarating episode of the Wisconsin Music Podcast, you just experienced the magic of CDB and the End of Times band. With our roots in Wisconsin to their rise in Nashville, we delve deep into their musical journey we're left in awe in their innovative mixed media creations. But hey, it's not just about them. It's about supporting all the incredible Wisconsin musicians out there. And that includes you. By tuning in, you are showing your love and appreciation for the soulful beats, electrifying sounds, and heart-stirring melodies being born right here in our own state of Wisconsin. We invite you to join this musical celebration where you play a vital role. Your support means the world to us, to these talented artists, and to the entire Wisconsin music community. So let's unite as one powerful force and rally behind our local musicians, rock stars or folk artists, hip-hop legends or country crooners. They all share the same dream of having their music heard and cherished, and you have the power to make that happen. And join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave those ravishing five-star reviews. Your engagement fuels our passion to continue amplifying the musical magic of Wisconsin. Because your engagement fuels our passion and to continue amplifying the musical magic of Wisconsin. Hold on, we're just getting started. Brace yourself for an exciting journey filled with inspiring interviews where you get a front row seat to the diverse sounds and voices of our beloved state. Together, we'll showcase the brilliance of Wisconsin's musicians, artists, and the amazing organizations and businesses that support this vibrant music community. Let's share the word with your friends, your family, your co-workers, anyone who appreciates the heart and soul of music, especially Wisconsin music. Together, we'll create a musical sensation that resonates far beyond Wisconsin borders. Thank you incredible listeners of the wisconsin music podcast for being the driving force behind this unforgettable journey your passion and support helps keep us going we can't wait to bring you the next interview stay tuned for more thrilling episodes filled with pure wisconsin talent and to end this episode i'm going to play cdb and the end of time's newest release called dorchester 3 d-o-r-c-h-e-s-t-e-r roman numeral 3 Now, there are some things that will change. The past dictates the future. It's a good thing we made so many sandwiches. (laughs) 